So the song we just sang talked about in all of life, in every season, you are still God and I still have a reason to sing. Um, this has been a uh, unique season. Maybe unprecedented is too far since we've had a pandemics before 1918 other times, but it's been a unique thing that and not only it's not only the pandemic, but everything that came before it and after it, and um, it's been kind of disorienting. Um, I uh, saw a cartoon of, of uh, Dr. Fauci driving the, vac the station wagon, and there was a sign that said normal on the freeway, and every, all the kids in the back said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And um, it feels more like we took a detour, and I don't know that we're ever going to arrive at normal, that which the sign pointed to. I, I wonder if we have entered into a, something new. Um, Jack Mesro talks about transformative education. He talks about disorienting dilemmas. And that's how we are transformed. And uh, so disorienting dilemmas can be fantastic to transform you into something new. Or you can be transformed into something new that's not any better, maybe worse. And I don't know about you, but I've had days where I felt like I was being transformed into something worse, <laughs> and days when I've felt like I've been transformed into something better. And, uh, there's, and there's all kinds of things stirring. I don't know, how are you feeling these days? Some of you are probably feeling better than ever. Some of you are excited. Some of you, I, I think sometimes we talked about how Loss leads to pain, leads to fear, leads to anger, and um, most of us want to say, oh, those people had those kind of struggles, but I was fine. Um, I wasn't. Maybe, I think it's hard to admit some of those, some of those feelings. Um, fear and anger, maybe especially Christians aren't supposed to feel those things, right? Except God keeps saying, don't be afraid. <laughs> so it must be that some other followers of God felt some of those things. Um, and sometimes when we hope to do something and then it doesn't work out or we see a problem and we, we try to find a solution and then it doesn't work out, we become disappointed. And then we can be disappointed with other people and we can be disappointed with ourselves. And I can even feel like I am disappointing or we are disappointing. And then I get more afraid uh, because I don't know if uh, afraid of rejection or abandonment or what's going to happen if I'm disappointing. Um, sorry to be so honest. Um, I know you all would like a pastor who's a rock. Um, but it's kind of been hard sometimes. And maybe it's been hard for you too. You know, there's been other people who've had some difficult times and uh, a scripture uh, spoke to me out of Isaiah, especially powerfully this week. But as I unpacked it, I realized that it was referencing scriptures and situations much earlier than that, and also prophesying into things in the future. And so, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back a little bit. But, but here's the question that I feel like happens in this situation when we're disoriented, when we feel losses, but also a little lost we start to ask, who am I? Where am I? 
Why am I? And then we start to move into survival mode also because of fear. Like the, the question becomes not what can we do, what can we accomplish, but how do I survive? How do I survive? Maybe I and my family, or, or maybe my people survive. And um, suffering kind of pulls all those things out of us. So we begin to ask who and where and why am I or are we? Um, and we're not the first ones to ask those things. Uh, as we come out of a season now, I think sometimes we even start grieving. We kind of just put one foot in front of the other as we're trying to go through another Zoom call or go through whatever you were dealing with. But um, afterwards, sometimes the grief sets in in a new way. So who are we? Where are we? Why are we? And who are you? And where are you? And why are you? Maybe you know all these things. But uh, let's think back. Uh, sorry, we've got to go back to Genesis, just because that's where Isaiah took me. And um, we could go back to the garden and hiding. And where are you? Um, hiding was where Adam was. But, I, but if we move up a little bit, Jacob, you'll remember, there was a promise to Abraham. And Jacob saw the promise, and his problem was, how do I get that promise? And he went after the promise. But in his struggle to figure out how to get that promise, he kind of messed everything up, all of his relationships. And he's running away and sleeping on a rock. And he is definitely saying, where am I? Who am I? What am I? In other words, what is my purpose? I tried in all my power to get what I wanted. Uh, and where am I? So if you'll turn with me to Genesis. Um, Genesis 28. Jacob is sleeping on a rock. And after all of his striving, he's gotten nothing. I was also really moved by a passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about um, not folding our arms and giving up, not grasping the wind with two hands, but one hand open in the game, but releasing. We can talk about that another time. But here's Jacob. He's done it all. He's grasped the wind, and he's nowhere is where he's at, um, running away into exile. And then a, he has a dream of a stairway, a ziggurat up to heaven, and the angel's coming up and down, and Yahweh, God shows up and says, I am Yahweh, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. Where are you? I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Sorry, I'm in, in verse 14 now. Um, they will be... 28, 14. They will be spread out in all directions to the east and west, to the north and south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I finish giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. 
But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So he named the place Bethel, Bethel, the house of God, which is why we call this Bethel, why we say we're a house of prayer for all nations. That's who we are. <laughs> so Jacob doesn't know who he is or where he is or why he is. And then God changes the question and says the answer to your question is, who am I as God? Where am I, your God? And why am I and why are you? And you see, I think that's the key for us answering those other questions is not who am I, where am I, why am I, but who is God? What power does he have? What person, what character, what love does he have? Where is God? Is, is he present here even if I don't notice him? What's his promise, his plan, his purpose for the world and therefore for me? And it's not just about how do I survive. That's, that's what Jacob is. In fact, he goes on and says, if God will be with me and protect me, on this journey, and if you'll provide me with safety and clothing and I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. So he's making a deal with God. God's just promised him the world, and he's like, could you give me food and clothes? That'd be great. Because um, he's in a how do I survive mode. But God is going to say, yeah, I, I'm going to let you survive, but I'm, I've got a lot more than that for you. Um, Jacob did everything he could in his strength to get his purpose, to find some power, and he failed, and it was disorienting, and he was stuck, not even stuck, just <laughs> running. Um, and then he gets to, to uh, Laban's house, and he kind of forgets about God and starts to do things on his own again. Um, and God speaks to him again up there, and says, Genesis 31, verse 3 to 5. Genesis 31, 3 to 5. Then Yahweh said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and of your relatives there, and I will be with you. Then he talks to Leah and, and Rachel and says, I've noticed that your father's attitude toward me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. So he notices that God has been with him. Have you noticed in the last couple years that God's been with you? Yeah. Great. That's what we need to notice. And then he gets back and a bunch of other stuff happens and his, his son is killed, or so he thinks, and then he's, there's a famine, all kinds of things happen, and then he gets this news that actually his son is alive and he wants him to come to Egypt, and he's an old man. He's like, well, what am I going to do now? And God says this to him in the middle of the night. Jacob, Jacob, here I am. Jacob replied, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So Jacob, in all this time, is trying to survive and trying to get his family to figure out what's going on. He keeps 
being brought back by God to the bigger question. Not who am I and who are we, but who is God? And where is God? Turns out God is with Jacob. He's with us. Do you believe God is with you? And Jacob has a why. He has a purpose. He has a promise. And it's not just to survive. It's to bless the whole world. Do you know that you have a purpose? We have a purpose and a promise to bless the whole world. We got grafted into that promise. And, you know, so they go down there, and then there's 400 years of suffering. Well, at least at some point in that 400 years, it became, um, despite going where God told them to go, suffering happens. You ever find out that even when you do what God asks you to do, certainly we get a lot of suffering from disobeying. But there's also a lot of, su sometimes suffering comes along when we follow God, when we obey. Slavery, 400 years, and it looks like, where is God? What's his purpose? What's going on? And Moses notices the problem. So the other question is what? What's the problem? What's the solution? And a lot of us have been asking that question. What's the problem? What's the solution? And then we've had trouble because a lot of us can't even agree on what the problem is, much less what the solution is. Or uh, we, we uh, so we're fighting over what the problem is, what the solution is, and he sees the problem of injustice that's happening to, to the Israelites, and he identifies with those people, even though he didn't have to. And he does something, and he kills an Egyptian, and it all falls apart, and now he's afraid, and he switches to how do I survive mode. He's afraid, and he runs off to Midian, and he spends 40 years there. He's, I tried. I couldn't do it. He's given up. And then God shows up. God shows up and, okay, we're in Exodus 3. God shows up and says, this is holy ground. I am here. And Jacob asked four questions. Four questions about himself and about his ability. About who am I and where should I be and why should I do it? And God says, I have seen the suffering and the distress of my people. Do you believe God has seen our suffering, our distress in our world? He has. And he has a person and a people that he wants to respond to that. He is creating, remember, a people. And he has a purpose and a calling for you in that people because he has a purpose and a calling for us as a people. So he says to Abraham, I've seen, I've heard the cry of the Egyptians. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse you. I, the cry of the Israelites, seen how hard the, harshly the Egyptians abuse them. So this is chapter 3, verse 10. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. A purpose. And Moses' response is, who am I? But Moses protested, protested to God, who am I? Here's that question. To appear before Pharaoh, who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Have you ever had that question? 
when God's given you something to do. Who am I? Where, where's the power? Where's the... I don't have anything in my character, in my ability. I already tried, Lord. I gave it my best shot, and nothing happened. In fact, it was worse than nothing. I barely survived. God answered, I will be with you. Wait, I was asking about who I am. And you answered, I will be with you. He answers Moses' question about who I am with where God is and who God is, right? Moses says something else. So I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors sent me to you. They'll ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? But I don't know. I don't know all this stuff that I'm supposed to know. I, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough power. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. The same God that we have, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacobson, and Olson, and all those other ones, has sent me to you. The question is not, who are you? The question is not, what do you know? It's, who is God? So he asked this question, God answers the real question, the important question. Who, am, who is God? Who am I? Says God is the question. Moses comes up with another, he's got four objections. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? Now that would never happen in our day that somebody might not believe you or listen to you, right? If you had an opinion about something, right? If you had an idea about what the problem or the solution might be, but he says, what, what if they don't appear, listen to me or believe me? He says, I don't have any power. And God says, he shows them a demonstration of his power. Again, the question is, who is God? And he demonstrates his power and his character. I am who I am. I will do what I will do. I will deliver you. And finally, Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been good. I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I mean, get tongue-tied. My tongue is, I'm not. Finally, again, Moses asking the question, Who am I? Who are we? And God's answer is, Well, Moses, you're kind of a... No, he doesn't talk about Moses. He talks about himself. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? It is, is it not I, Yahweh? I am the creator of everything. It's not about your ability. It's about the power and the character of the creator. How much power does the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, have? All power, right? And what kind of character does he have? Turns out he has a character of love, of compassion, of caring for those who are hurting and oppressed. 
And he's got a purpose that he wants Moses to fulfill. A purpose that he wants you and us to fulfill. So he says, now go. I will be with you as you speak and will instruct, instruct you in what you say. Then Moses again pleads, Lord, please send anyone else. Then, Mo then, <laughs> now I guess frustrated. All right, I'll send, I'll send Aaron with you. Interesting. God negotiates with him and gives him some help. And God's in this negotiation with Moses. But you see, Moses is called to something. And you are called to something. Whatever your situation is. And we are called to something. And it's not just to survive. Even though that's been challenging. And a lot of us have shifted from what does God want us to do to how do I survive this? It's okay to figure out how to survive. But the question for either of those is who is God? Why has God made me? Why has God called me? Why am I at Bethel? Why if you're online and you're with us, if you're here with us, did God call you here to be part of this people? Why? He's got a purpose. Not just for you to survive, but for us to make an impact. And it's not about us. Whatever pride we have or had in our great vision, whatever, well, it shouldn't be there. It should be in, we're glorifying God. And honestly, the weaker we are, the more God gets glorified, right? So if you look around at these people here and you say, I don't know about this group. I don't know what they can get done. I don't agree with that person, and they bug me, and... It's not about that. That's exactly who God wants to use because when he uses us, then he'll get the glory, right? It won't be about, oh, they have that amazing pastor. They have that amazing whatever, whatever. It'll be about, wow, God did that with them. Right? Are you okay with God getting the glory? Honestly, I'd like to be a hero. I'd like to have saved us from the pandemic, said something perfect, just, you know, answered racism, done, dealt with all the issues that we have out there. What? Guess what? Didn't happen. Moses tried, Jacob tried, you know, just, just punch somebody. It'll be better. That's how all the movies go, right? Moses tried the, the, the movie way, the myth of redemptive violence. Just punch somebody, kill somebody, it'll be better. Didn't work out, did it? But God still has a plan, even with Moses, even with Jacob, even with me and you and us.
Um, I'm going to flip to the to the verse that really grabbed me this this week, and actually it's this whole um, this whole uh, section of Isaiah. This is so at Jacob in his exile we have Egypt, and now the people of Israel. Well, I, I even skipped Joshua where God talks to you, talk to me, talk to us about conquering this land and said, I will be with you. It's not about you, Joshua. But they end up really messing it up. Idolatry, oppression of the poor, they, they get their focus way off on something else and God judges them. And then he speaks to them in their exile. Ex Isaiah 41. 40 and 41 and a lot more. But let's look especially at 41, 8 to 10. But as for you, Israel, my servants, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, the one who I loved, the one who loved me. Does that sound at all familiar? Does that sound kind of like what he said to Jacob? But now he's talking to the people of Jacob, the people of Israel. He says, I've called you back from the ends of the earth. Isn't that what he said to Jacob? I'm calling you back from that eastern land. Back home. I've got a purpose for you. They're, they're in exile, and their question in exile is, who are we? Where are we? Why are we here? And in those questions, we often are actually reflecting a question about God, right? Who is God? If he was our God, if we have this great God, how come these Babylonian idols seem to be winning? How come we're captured and dragged off here? Where is God? The temple's destroyed. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. Where is God? Why are we here? Why are we suffering? Why are we in exile? Why is God not doing something? Why did God do this? Now, Isaiah and Jeremiah and others had told them over and over why and what was going to happen, etc. But here they are in exile, and they're asking, what are we doing? And God is giving them a word of comfort. He's saying, but as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, I've called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant. For I have chosen you and will not throw you away. That's what they felt like. God's just thrown us away. He just let the Babylonians come and just throw us away. Is he done with us? Are we finished? Maybe God's moving someplace else. Maybe God's moving in Africa, but I don't see what he's doing around here. Maybe God's just thrown us away. Maybe we messed up too bad. He says, I have, I have chosen you. People of God, he has chosen you. Together and individually, he has chosen us. He has chosen you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. 
Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. Anybody been discouraged? Me. Anybody been afraid? Me. He says, don't, and, and actually he says this over and over in Isaiah. He says, don't be afraid because I'm with you and I'm powerful. The first chapter 40 is, uh, look up into the heavens, who created all the stars? He talks about his power as creator, his power, his love, his character. So, who is God? That's the right question, but they're asking it from a wrong perspective. Who is God if things aren't comfortable for me, if things aren't working out, if I'm stuck here? You just throw me away? Where is God if, if I don't feel good? Why if, if my way of doing these things didn't work out? And he answers and says, But as for you, Israel, my servant, as for you, Bethel, my servant, people of God, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back. From the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. Does that sound a little like Joshua as well? I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand, that right hand that brings justice, that right hand that was in the Exodus, that right hand that smashed Egypt. He's referring back to Exodus. He's referring back to Jacob. He's saying, in all of life, in every season, we have a God. We have a reason to worship. Can the worship team come up and repeat that song <laughs> before we go on to the others? Um, for I, verse 13, for I hold you by my right hand, I, Yahweh, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, for I am here to help you. Though you're a lonely worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am Yahweh, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. And you can read on. You can read chapter 40. Um, in case you didn't memorize the whole thing while Pastor Jim was here preaching from the later part of Isaiah. <laughs> I know this is just a reminder of stuff you already know. But it's sometimes easy to forget that it's not about me. It's not about my power. Even if I've tried and I've failed, even if we are not everything we hope to be, God is not defeated. He's not done. This disorienting dilemma is just for some transformative learning, according to Jack Mesereau. This is our chance to be transformed into something much more, much better, much the next season of what God wants to do in us. And it's amazing when you look at these people that God worked with, in and out, somehow he still did his thing. And he's still doing it right now with us in this season. We're going to have some time of prayer at the end. We're not going to have discussion groups. We're going to have a time of prayer at the altar. We're going to have a time of prayer in the, in the uh, prayer room as well, after worship. And I, so enter in, even in the worship, as you uh, ask those questions. 
not who are you or where are you or why are you, but who is God? Where is God? And why does he have you? What's he doing? Where, what is the power in the person of God, his purpose and promise, and he's present with us at Bethel, at the house of God right here. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for who you are, creator of everything with all power. We're grateful for the person who you are, the character that you have, that you are loving, faithful, holy, a covenant-keeping God, even with people who are so faithless and unloving and unjust and uncovenant-keeping, you remain loving, faithful, yes. holy, yes. just, good, yes. great, and gracious. And you have a purpose, a promise, and a plan. Not only that, but you've welcomed us into it. You have a purpose to bless all nations. Not only that, you decided to bless them through us. It's not about us, but we get to be in on your purpose for the nations. Thank you for showing yourself to us, revealing yourself to us. God, lift our eyes. So like Jacob, we might say, I had no idea, but you are here. Thank you that you are here. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing and that you are here with us in the midst of it all. You said that we are not abandoned. We are not orphaned. You've given us a spirit, not of fear, but that cries out, Abba, Father. And then you said, we're heirs with you and co-heirs with you if we follow you in suffering so that glory might be revealed. So Lord, help us not to be sidetracked or blown aside by suffering and pain and difficulty in this fallen world, in this battle with the principalities and powers and with our own selfishness. You are still God, Lord, Yahweh, victorious. And even as we groan, we groan in hope for the redemption of our bodies and the freedom of the creation. And you groan with us. 
Your spirit groans with us. You are longing with us to bring us into that freedom that you desire. So Lord, would you help us to see who we are, where we are, and why we are, because we see who you are, your purpose, and that you are with us. Amen. I'm going to give a benediction, and you're, you're free to be sent. Don't just go. Be sent into the world with his presence with you, or your freedom to stay and linger in his presence. Um, so in the name of Yahweh, the Father who loves us, the Son who gave himself for us, the Spirit who is always with us and empowering us, loving and enabling us to love. Go and be sent into God's purpose with his presence. Amen. So you're welcome to continue to pray. You're welcome to be sent um, as, you, uh, as you feel led.